0: Amgo Radio nine point is it zero or one? I think one, it's right? Zero, Isn't it? Our, our our uh, it's zero zero. Our podcasting uh <laughs> nomenclature, not nomenclature. It's num- uh, numerology. It's, it's always been probably the worst part of our blog, <laughs> except for except for the you know the the swearing and fits. But there won't be any of those this year. Oh, no, we lost the Michigan again. Wolverines the Michigan Wolverines are poised for a a historic season. But uh, before we talk about that, let's shout out our sponsors. Thank you to Underground Printing for making this all possible. Check them out at UGPMichiganApparel.com or check out our selection of shirts on the MGoblogstore.com. Let's not forget our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Homeshire Landing, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Venue by 4M. We were recording this one on Signal Wire and introducing to the podcast, Winewood Organics. What do they sell, Seth? <laughs> fun stuff, Ryan, fun stuff.
1: <laughs>
2: Good. Sell,
0: it's, Excellent.
1: They sell. Well done. They sell copious relaxation.
0: Good. Well, well, uh, you might have needed that in previous Michigan seasons and in previous Michigan openers, but probably not this one. Michigan opens up with the East Carolina Pirates, who uh, went 8-5 and five last year, but uh, lost great swaths of their team, as we briefly discussed uh, during our season preview podcast. We are here to talk about their offense in more detail, and I've been doing the preview, so I have no idea. So let's throw it over to
3: Alex. Um, Well, the interesting thing that I learned writing this preview last night is the uh, coach, Mike Houston, is playing a little quietly with his quarterbacks. He's not naming a quarterback before uh, tomorrow's game. They had like
1: a four star who's been like winning in the wings in their ECU. Like what? What has this guy done wrong?
3: He said his biggest asset for tomorrow is the element of surprise. So. Uh.
0: Well, in that vein, uh, Indiana declined to name the starting kicker against Ohio State. So (laughs) so they're probably going to win that game.
3: Yeah, so uh, it's still probably going to be Mason Garcia, the uh, four-star who's been in the program a while. But he was battling with a different guy, Mm -hmm. Alex Flynn, who's been in the program even longer, but was a three-star outside the top 2,000 uh, in the composite. So,
0: okay. Three star inflation has officially gone too far if you can be outside the top two thousand and you're still a three star. Can you name the last
1: two star? Can you name a two star in the last, I don't know, fifteen years?
0: Brady but-
3: Pallante.
1: No, I think he got a three star. Oh no, I'm gonna yeah. check this.
3: <laughs> what about Kurt was Kurt Taylor a two star? No, uh, no, no. He was close. well
0: in the three star range. Got there might have been Brady like- Pellante. Two stars! <laughs> two stars, on the number 129 d- defensive tackle, and the number 297 player in Florida, so Brady Pellante. So this guy's
1: ranked star. above Brady polante Apparently.
3: Apparently. So anyway, we'll see what they end up doing at the quarterback spot. Um, you know, this whole team is hard to project just because they have so many new players. I looked this up writing the preview. They were 130th. In SP plus returning production in Bill Connolly's metrics. And that was in February after they lost two quality offensive linemen post spring. So this team could basically be at 133 out of 133 in returning production, which, if you remember last year, resembled Hawaii. Uh, they were right at the bottom in returning production. So um, offensively, they have a couple running backs that are interesting, but. Definitely are a step down from last year. Marlon Gunn Jr. and uh, Rajai Harris. Um, wide receivers. Seth, you kind of liked Jalen Johnson in the HDTV uh, section on ECU.
1: I don't even remember why. I, was... <laughs> 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 I, I tried to go through the roster again, uh, like yesterday, just to, to brush up on them. Because I thought we were going to be, for some reason, thought this would come up on WTKA. And the i there's there were so many roster changes I started chasing down like where did everybody go like from spring to now, there were so many <laughs> roster changes that I forgot to even like look at some of the guys that I looked at before. i <laughs> tried to pull up my notes again, but I honestly forgot about the receivers
3: <laughs> yeah, i they're not big names or anything, but you know he he made that three players that we highlight in the h t t v preview so Put that out there. I mean, the big problem for East Carolina's offense tomorrow is going to be uh, the fact they have one returning offensive line starter, and they're looking at starting a USF transfer, last year's sixth man, a walk-on program guy who's kicking out to tackle from center, by the way, and uh, <laughs> uh, and a redshirt freshman. That's the the fifth as of about a week ago, is what the projections were saying. So that's. Uh...
0: Way less transfer heavy than I was expecting.
3: No, I mean, they run a decent program, but they're just dipping deep into the depth. And it's just hard to see how this line, and by the way, last year's line was in the 100s in the run blocking metrics and football outsiders line yards. So it's just tough tough to see them getting any running game going with that offensive line against Michigan's front. Um, They were a good pass blocking line last year, but again, total changes on the line It just looks like they're probably going to get mauled at the line of scrimmage. And if that's the case, they're in trouble.
0: There is a complicating factor is that there's lots of rumors going around about injuries, particularly in the secondary. Uh, With the maximalist version is is that Will Johnson, Rod Moore, and Makari Page are all going to sit this game out, which is three quarters of your starting secondary. (laughs) Seems bad. Um, But... If uh, the quarterback doesn't have time to get the ball off, then I guess it'll be fine. But I, I think you're going to see uh, some debuts in a starting uh, situation for, for players on Saturday.
1: I, I, yeah. remember, the, I remember why I liked Jalen Johnson before. He's a Georgia uh, transfer. Now, he was a Georgia walk-on, but he actually played for UGA a little bit. He was kind of like a, you know a Peyton O'Leary for them and then finally decided he wanted to get some playing time and then came on kind of late in the season last year.
3: Yeah, I mean their receivers, their receivers are not really stars, but they're okay. I mean, it, it's it'll be an ease in for those young DBs, uh, Brian, because it's probably going to be uh, Keon Sab. We've heard quite a bit about um, either Zeke Perry or Quentin Johnson at the other safety spot, most likely, and then you know Wallace and McBurrows at corner, maybe Keyshawn Harris. So for those young guys uh, getting their first taste, I mean, these players are going to play more snaps tomorrow more than likely, than they played all of last year combined. So it's going to be interesting in that regard, but it's a bit of an ease-in overall. Um, not They don't have any wide receivers that project as NFL-caliber players or anything, so uh, it'll be an opportunity for them to get their feet wet.
0: Um, I mean, do we know if their quarterbacks are mobile at all? That's often something that a, a group of five team will use to kind of level the playing field.
3: Uh they do an RPO heavy system. Their quarterback last year was running about four to five times a game. Um not a ton, but we haven't seen a lot from these quarterbacks. Seth, I don't know if you scouted Mason Garcia's mobility, but he hasn't played a lot in college no, to really he's, know. He's,
1: he hasn't played that much. I actually have to go back to his recruiting uh, profile, which it exists. He was a four star. Uh and he's I mean he's a tank. He's, you know, six foot five, two fifty and you know, he's not going to like run around you but gets into short situations they might want to do that um you know they might run an orgy kind of offense with him but he's you know he's there to pass he's there to be a big burly t- uh, passer their problem I think is that they were they, they all they, they had it like last year was the year right and then they had a couple guys coming back and then I think they just got pilfered um after the after spring like people looked at the roster and said oh that guy's useful and just took play so they ha- they were kind of like thin right there was like the the guy coming up behind the guy or the, a starter who was starting last year and no one was behind him and then that guy got taken away so they went from being kind of a threat to maybe what the worst team we're going to face just over the course of those two months because people were just picking them off if they don't have Mason Garcia in there I'm guessing the other guys probably going to be running the ball
3: yeah um one other thing, Seth, I think in your little stat profile in the HGTV, you had them at run rate in like a, the hundreds or like right around a hundred. Like they don't run the ball yeah. much. They're definitely a pass first offense. So that's just something to keep in mind.
1: I mean, they're a dink and dunk offense. Spread, they're they're, uh, they're RPO kind of. And then like if they want to run the ball, it's an RPO. And teams were willing to give them the pass last year. So they they had a good quarterback last year. So they kind of let him play a little bit. And the, I don't know, like my guess is that they're going to try to spread them out and just run Mason Garcia a little bit and see if they can get some extra yards with him. There's not a whole lot more than they can do.
0: Yeah, especially, I mean, it seems like it's particularly on the interior of this offensive line, it's going to be a struggle against Chris Jenkins and Mason Graham.
3: Yeah, I mean, I put in the preview, basically, Michigan's defensive line versus do any of these running backs magically turn into Kenneth Walker? Because, like otherwise i <laughs> don't really know how they're going to get a functional running game going right like if their yeah. offensive line's getting <clears throat> swallowed on every play like how are they grinding out yards unless something magical happens
0: all right so the goal keep them under 300 yards and don't don't blow any coverages
3: basically pretty much i mean uh, yeah all I, right
0: i mean we want to see
1: how the how the young secondary does Keon Sapp makes me a little nervous. i may maybe getting this in the next seg- next uh, couple segments. But, you know, the last time we saw him, he was giving up a horrible touchdown to Hawaii. And, I mean, it, he's starting kind of out of necessity here. So that that's the only thing I'm worried about is that, like, they've got guys who've been in their system a little bit. They've got a Georgia receiver who played for Georgia. and
0: Yeah, know, I mean, I not, don't like, – so. I wouldn't put too much on to – Sab giving up something in one of those games because, I, you know, I was going through the clips from last year and I was like, what's this one? Oh, it's Will Johnson getting torched by Colorado State. <laughs> All right, well, well, we'll that give him a mulligan for that one. Yeah. All right, any final thoughts, guys? Uh, their, their defense is,
1: uh, is the TCU style of defense. They don't... No, 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 on offense. Line, but... we... Oh, okay. All right,
0: so... <laughs> I thought <laughs> yeah, you were trying we to get out of this segment. Having... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> We're just trying to, we're <laughs> trying to wrap the segment up. I think we're wrapping the segment up. All right. Let's wrap the segment up. We're going to come back and talk about the ECU defense. <laughs> Want the perfect game
1: day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Ufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family union, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site, no more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenience locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com
2: Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner, Founder and President at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is. But you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning? Or do you need to play catch-up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry-up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota, or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash blog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with Peak Confidence.
1: Winewood Organics is Ann Arbor's only cannabis microbusiness for adults 21 and older. They're a grower, processing lab, and dispensary rolled into one, cultivating and producing flour, old-school hash, edibles, CBD products, and more. You can find them across the street in Kroger on South Maple, just west of downtown, and at WineWoodOrganics.com. Veterans and MedCard holders save 10% on all orders, and first-time customers save 25%, as long as you're not wearing scarlet and gray.
0: welcome back to MGo radio 9.0 we are previewing the East Carolina Pirates we turn to their defense which has also been beset by departures
3: yeah I mean whole team has but uh, the defensive line has stayed uh, intact okay but the the linebacker group and the uh, secondaries really changed uh, Seth do you want to talk about their uh, scheme here
1: yeah they' they're the TCU scheme <laughs> so everybody get terrified. They're a are 3 where they spread those linebackers out and kind of use uh, a couple of hybrids out there. Um, and like one linebacker behind, kind of just daring you to live in the mid-range. And they're actually a lot more zone than TCU. There's, they don't play a whole lot of man at all. I, I think P, uh, PFF had them for 23% uh, aligned in press, which was one of the lowest in the country. They also don't even blitz that much. They're more just kind of a funnel everything to the safeties. And, I mean, that's kind of what they do is they just leave that uh, that middle zone area open and, you know, dare you to throw slants and stops and snags and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they will jam the line a little bit. So, you know, Michigan's going to have to get out of their comfort zone immediately or not because center will just bash them out of the way and, and, you know, run for 50 yards. I don't know.
3: Yeah, I mean, they're going to try and jam the line with some... Undersized players. You have Chad Stevens at uh, one edge spot at 261, but then these two defensive tackles, 264 and 294. Um, they do have Jason Schuford at 322 that I imagine will come out in short yardage, but uh, definitely going to be interesting to watch Michigan's interior OL go up against um, those sized players because we saw some of that last year, right? I mean, remember Nebraska? And those uh, <laughs> defensive tackles. So um, I,
0: I like that Michigan played Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn last year. And you're like, hey, remember that Nebraska game? That was ugly. And you're right. Just, that was the ugliest that, one of the year. That was the biggest <laughs> baby. Plus, the impression <clears throat> in the
1: in the memory because because uh, we just watched them last night.
3: Oh, so we did. Yeah. Been- <laughs> 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 so uh, they were a better, uh, a pretty decent run defense last year. Because uh, their rush edge, Jeremy Lewis, is a pretty decent run defender relative to being a, a pass rusher. But, um, you know, the concern is their linebacker core is totally different. They lost pretty much everybody. So you got this mix of FCS transfers. Um, a guy that played like a hundred snaps last season for them. And then uh, UNC transfer who was atrocious in the ACC and is coming in. So there's like the three question, UNC
1: transfers on this defense.
3: There are. Yes. They, but they
1: like paper Chapel Hill with like, Arr, come play defense.
3: Um, the, the UNC transfer linebacker is named Rara Dilworth. We just have to get that one uh, on, on the record.
0: It's <laughs> uh, amazing.
3: So, but yeah, the concern for me is that if their defensive tackles are, are getting blasted because they're under 300 pounds and then you have this linebacker core where all of them are baptism by fire in the FBS except for one guy who couldn't hack it at all at, at UNC, then you got a lot of opportunities for, for runs to go from, you know, small gains to suddenly huge gains if uh, the linebackers aren't in the right spots, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Um, that's kind of the prognosis on the run defense in the secondary. Uh, two safeties return who played last year, but the corners are all different. A very similar story. To linebackers a weird hodgepodge of, you know, yeah. down transfers from bigger schools, up transfers from the FCS, JUCO, like all all the different ways you try and scotch tape a secondary I mean, together they, is there.
1: They they were putting this thing together late because there was um. Their cornerbacks coach got poached by Louisville late in the process because Louisville was like, oh, we need a cornerbacks coach. So as soon as that happened, all of the cornerbacks they were planning on playing all hit the portal. So when I was talking about like people just pilfering their roster at the end, cornerback was definitely one of those spots. So <laughs> at one point, I think they're all lined up in the portal pretty close to each other. You can just scroll and like, oh, there's the ECU part of the portal on 247. Um Steve Ellis was the, the former cornerbacks coach, so they were really kind of replacing this late. I think a couple of these guys showed up uh, in fall camp, so I honestly don't know who's going to be. Uh, I looked up one of their sites the other day to see uh, who was starting, and the list was Siobhan Revel uh, and Tegan Wilk were the ones we knew. Julius Woods, the guy who's returning, and then Isaiah Brown-Murray, um, I guess he's a, already he's a f-
3: yeah, Isaiah Brown Murray's a five foot nine redshirt freshman. Yeah, so Ooh. I guess
1: they they went in the portal shopping and nobody won a job out of that portal shopping. So other than Jukel, the the JUCO.
3: Yeah, there's definitely the sense to me that if we are going to get a dose of the freshman receivers, which we've been hearing that we will be, then this is not a not a bad first game for them to hit the ground running, get some opportunities because you're not facing stiff competition at that cornerback position at all. So. And I don't really foresee a lot of pass rush on J.J. at all. They're not a super blitzy team. Their defensive linemen. None of them graded out well as pass rushers in PFS data at all. Um, you know, sack rate was really middle of the road last season. So it seems like this should be a pretty good opportunity for Michigan's pass offense to uh, get a, a start to season with a bang, so to speak.
1: Yeah, they, they actually led and- the AAC last year in tackles by safeties. So, <laughs> put that. That's not Michigan. good. Well,
0: yeah. well, maybe they're list. Are they listing three guys as safeties because they're? I don't think doing so. I, I think they,
1: well, yeah, they probably are. They they probably are listing all three okay. of their like their nickel is a safety probably. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, probably. I mean, that is going to be somewhat interesting if they do decide that they're going to get nosy and try to replicate what TCU did. We'll get to see if Michigan has some better answers in terms of scheming guys free, particularly in the ground game. And then how willing are they to uh, uh, pass if they're looking at stacked fronts? Although, honestly, chances are TCU is just going to play not-in-the-face defense, right?
1: Yeah, it's what they did last year anyway. They just kind of had dropped five guys back and keep everything in front of them and like they'll give you the whole middle zones and tackle you after you throw the ball away because they're bringing five or six guys every time. Um there's or four guys and then dropping one of them uh, kind of in a, a dog zone. It's uh I mean they they show you a big front, they try to stack the line against the run and then guys will back out, but there's a, there's a lot of space to throw over these linebackers. The linebacker, I guess.
0: All right.
3: Uh all right. I guess it's time for score predictions. Alex, but one quick thing. They were second in FEI kickoff return uh, efficiency last year. So, <laughs> well, they'll get some practice, I imagine. <laughs> Watch out for that, I guess. Uh, I think in the preview, preview I had 53 to 11.
0: Okay, Seth.
1: I I already went on W T K It said 4523, so I'm sticking there.
0: You're, are you going to do this like twice a week or the whole year?
1: It's going to get annoying, won't it? All right. No, it's fine. I, yeah. No, I it's fine. I, I no, no, I'm you just going to say, say 4523 for, again. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll have to no, see no, how okay. many times I can say 4523 before I get sick of it.
0: Uh, on TKA, you say 4523, but on this one, you say uh, 4227. There you go. That's right. That, for I'm you. That
1: low one, Michigan.
0: I think I said forty to seventeen or something. So there we go, forty to seventeen. We're gonna take another break. Uh, come back and <laughs> we watched Minnesota, Nebraska. So you don't have to.
2: Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach, and it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com mgo mgoblog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss. And honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout-out to all the loyal Wolverines and M-Go Blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and, of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com mgoblog today. Here's a thing people
0: say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm
1: actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did.
0: Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group.
1: They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games.
0: And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248-682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com.
1: One and two and. If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call a criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248 924 9458 or visit his website at MichiganLawGrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference.
2: This is Matt Demarest, the owner of HomeShare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance.
1: This is Seth Fisher from EmbleBlog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use HomeShare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself used them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our company get a loan. Brian use them, you should use them too.
2: Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com, that's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E, lending.com, slash blog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me, kind of an annual tradition, Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you?
1: 9.
2: Can I get a Go Blue? Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, Equal Housing Lender. Five, four, three, two.
0: Welcome back to Abigail Radio 9.0. Uh, there's not a whole lot to talk about that we didn't talk about in our seven-hour season preview podcast. Um, they were so, trying to
1: kick us out at the end of that thing. There was like a woman coming in the window they, being like, You got go! We're they, shooting the lights they off! Were,
0: they were trying to kick us out halfway through it. <laughs> there was like three more hours of podcasting after that. But in any case, uh, if you want to get some detailed takes about the team, believe me, we have put them down. Go check those out. But uh, new information has just come across our, our screens in that last night, Minnesota beat Nebraska 13 to 10 in a game that was not exactly a barn burner, but does offer us some insight on a couple of opponents on Michigan's schedule. Um, probably the, most positive thing you could say about either team is that uh what's his name the receiver who had the minnesota touchdown um the oh, i forget for, his oh name. uh daniel jackson daniel jackson thank yes. you <laughs> uh the catch he made was absolutely insane the route he ran was absolutely insane and the thing is is the play before that he almost bailed out calic manis uh with an uh insane catch that didn't count because his his toes had just left the surface of the playing field before he laid out for a diving catch i'm all in on this guy (laughs) i'm like sometimes you just look at a guy and you're like that's a dude that's a dude so that'll be an exciting uh player for the big 10 to get to know over the next couple years year other than that i
1: I think it's his last year (laughs) Brian.
0: Is it? <laughs> yeah. This is what happens with Minnesota receivers. You
1: fall in love with them and then either like, you know, they stick around for 40 years or, you know, I think this guy is a fifth-year senior. So But
0: like Brevin Spanford has been there for 84 years. I I don't I'm,
1: get it. I'm I'm sorry. But I mean, when was the last time we didn't love a Minnesota receiver? There's always like one at least.
0: Yeah, I mean, they had Rashad Bateman. Is Altman Bell still there? Uh I don't.
3: I believe he is, I but I didn't see him at all last yeah,
0: night. He's on the team. Must be hurt. Uh, but kind of the thing that really jumped out for me watching Minnesota play is that their whole identity over the past four or five years has been, you know, Chuck Filionga and Daniel Filele battering people around so that Mo Ibrahim or whoever can pick up five or six yards of carry. And they could not run the ball at all last night.
3: Yeah. Yeah. On a Nebraska defensive line that I was extremely down on coming into the season. Yeah.
0: So. Oh my
1: God, the interior of their line, I think we, I, Alex and I are going to have to eat a little crow because we're the ones saying like, ah, they probably got some guys. They probably got some run blockers. Uh, you know, they they were having to throw the ball all the time and the interior line could not stop anybody. I Run or pass, they just, they're an absolute sieve. How many times did you see Kaliak Manis running for his life immediately after the snap?
0: Well, there, there was a sack where just nobody opted to block their, like, 320-pound nose tackle wearing number zero. That's a pretty obvious guy you need to block. Like, he just went right between the center and the guard, and I was like, oh, that's a that's real bad sack. <laughs> that, that was happening earlier. In the first quarter, I noticed they were blocking, like, the nose tackle with a
1: running back. And I was like, what is going on here? Like, what is, this? Is, was this the plan? Is this like how they thought it was going to happen? Like, it, it was it was a come down from expectations. And my expectations were not particularly high, especially on pass protection. But
0: it was like, good, good, good Lord. I mean, Caliak Benes did okay, given the constraints he was put under. He was facing a lot of passing downs. He didn't get a lot of protection. He had to roll out of the pocket, made some nice throws. Uh screwed some other ones up, but he, he seems like the kind of guy where if you could surround him with good pass protection and a good running game, he would, he would win you some games. But he's not going to carry Minnesota to a whole lot of wins this year.
3: He's got a live arm. I mean, he had some throws that were just beautiful throws, and then he had some real bad ones too. And yeah. it, he, he's just kind of all over the place uh, in the course of a given game, but obviously it would help if there was more structure. Uh, in the offense to help him out but you know those throws in the red zone I mean the one on the touchdown the the incredible catch I mean he got bailed out there by the by the receiver no doubt about that
0: yeah cuz he had, he had won that route so badly that that could have been a much easier catch oh, yeah. there's yeah nobody on in the frame with him so yeah he's inconsistent but you know he could he could get the job done if he was option number 3 on an offense unfortunately for Minnesota it looks like he'll be option number one. Uh, now, flipping to talk about the Cornhuskers, uh, I mean, they Scott Frosted it, admittedly. <laughs> yeah. They admittedly Scott Frosted this game, but... Happy Scott Frost Day, everybody. But I think you have to be fairly encouraged if you're a Nebraska fan, because this was looking like a, a real year zero situation. and We've talked about... Nebraska a couple times on this podcast as the worst defensive line we have ever seen. And they were functional last night. And I know that has a lot to do with Minnesota turning over a bunch of players, but they didn't look functional against anybody on that defensive line last year. They moved to a new defensive system. I mean, they held Minnesota to 13 points. They let them drive the field a little bit, but they didn't give up anything easy. Um, The problem is, is that Jeff Sims, Georgia tech transfer, Came in and threw some of the worst interceptions.
1: Ouch. Well, there's just <laughs> there's the one right after because everyone uh, they they go back and review it after a um after a false start, right? They reviewed the touchdown after the false start, which I didn't know you were allowed to do.
3: <laughs> that was yeah, was bizarre.
1: Yeah, and and then they're reviewing it. No one shows us a pylon cam. We're all like, okay, show us the pylon cam. We'll, we'll know. We never see the pylon cam. They just say they they just decided they couldn't. They could decide after all, right? And it stands. And then the next play, he throws an interception. Like there's nobody around there. There's like there was no reason well, to throw that.
0: No, it was there was a guy like who fell off in zone coverage, but it was like woof. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> that one, that one went right in a guy's chest. And I was I was talking about this with JJ McCarthy is that the number of instances where he threw a, a ball in someone's chest last year was approximately zero like there were were, yeah (laughs) there
1: there was there was one you
0: know but there was one
1: yeah
0: um but just and uh I don't know how optimistic you could possibly be when the words Georgia Tech transfer and quarterback are in the same sentence but looks like a real work in progress there and
3: uh he has some upsides though I mean I liked what he showed as a runner I think they could have a real third down and short weapon with him um running the ball but it definitely feels to me like if you're matt rule you would have wished to have that fcs first week right like with this new roster as opposed to having to go on the road in in week one because it felt like they were still really working out some kinks all over the roster
0: well and they're up 10 to 3 they they get it to fourth down get this incredible catch on their face. And then they got like a minute or two minutes to drive the field. And then the Sims throws another horrible interception. And you know, they're they uh I believe that their chance to win this game topped out at ninety six percent. Which seems too high when it's you know one, a one score no, well, game. I mean when
1: you need a when you throw in an interception with a minute under a minute left, I don't well, know. There was like what, 115 yeah. left or something like that. Like that's a like that. pretty big swing moment right there.
0: I mean, for rule to be able to put together what he put together in game one, like they drove the field, they they picked up a bunch of yards, but they couldn't punch it in because Sims kept turning the ball over. Their defense was well organized and looked much better than it was a year ago. They still don't have any talent, but you know, Matt Rule's done this twice before he he turned temple into something worth noting. And then he took over Baylor after art Bryles. <laughs> yeah. And he built them from like a one in 11 team into another a power again. So I think you got to have faith in what he's doing. And, you know, even though the stink of Scott Frost still lingers on this team,
3: <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those things where like, if you had said to most Huskers fans a week ago that they're going to go into Minnesota and they're going to be clearly the better football team, they outgained Minnesota, they you know outgained them in yards per play, I mean, everyone would have been really happy, I think. I mean, Minnesota's a solid team. They won nine games last year. You're on the road with a team that won four games. I mean, to put that up is really encouraging, I think, for the long term. But to have it happen in that manner is just... <laughs> Really and also by the way, it wasn't just the turnovers, but remember they had that horrible false start right at the end of the first half that oh yeah. That, mm-hmm. that, I mean I, some stuff just really spiraled for them in, in big moments. I, but I, one I, thing I'll say is that I was reading a piece in The Athletic by the Nebraska guy, and the thing he noted is that unlike a lot of rebuilds, Rule is not doing the Deion Sanders thing. Like you look at this roster, most all of these players were on Nebraska last season. Jeff Sims is one of their only transfers. This is basically Scott Frost roster. And so the point is these players are going to take time to change the team culture, change the program culture, learn how to get that monkey off their back in terms of the, because this everyone says, Oh, it's Matt rule. And he loses the same way. And it's like, yeah, they changed the coach, but the players are still the same. And <laughs> the players that had the same bad habits last year, like it's going to take time to, Correct that behavior and change a program culture. So did they
0: did they bring in any defensive linemen in the portal? No, they got a couple no, freshmen,
3: got, but yeah, no, they got, they got tre- no, they got true no portal guys. That's how they did hey, it. they got, got no portal guys. Wow. Yeah. I
0: mean, that's even more impressive, right? I I I just been operating under the assumption that they just patched that that lineup with tape. But for those to be the same players and for them to look at all reasonable. It's not the same players. They're they're starting freshmen. Oh, they're starting There's freshmen.
3: Some new players, and then some. Yeah, some yeah. freshmen. Some of the same guys, but.
0: yeah. I mean, I think if you're a Nebraska fan, Matt Rule is like the ideal hire because you're not going to go get Nick Saban, right? And like in, in terms of realistic prospects, a guy who's already done it twice at tough places to win, tougher places to win than Nebraska. I mean, yeah, that's that's a that's a heck of a hire, and I think they'll be going somewhere starting next year
1: yeah there was another right. athletic article just uh, sorry to extend this segment a little bit but there was another athletic article about how Rule has really embraced um, analytics and how like he's got all of his guys wearing shirts and um, they- <laughs> <laughs> yes Listen. okay all right special shirts special like like data shirts not like not like getting your children to put a shirt on which is my daily issue
0: oh my God. he's like guys guys have you ever heard of sunburn put on a shirt that's what analytics says all right now you can end the segment All right, we're going to take a break, come back, and I'm going to put these guys on the spot for some predictions about the season.
3: The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications.
0: Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with
2: SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications.
3: These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other, wherever we may be.
0: You can add cutting-edge, real-time video, and audio to any product, website, or Application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high-quality and low-latency communication functionality, the video, voice, and text messaging capabilities.
3: Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute; they will communicate.
0: See for yourself at signalwire.com. Use code two thousand twenty-one and receive twenty-five dollars in developer credit. Go to signalwire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs, original geeks of programmable. Communication communication Want
1: the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Ufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com.
0: In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit Ann Arbor Elder or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at Pogo Welcome back to MGO Radio 9.0 I have made all my predictions For the season I've put them all on paper I will judge them Partially In one year's time and now it's time for you guys to put your knowledge on the line in front of God and man himself. Guys, excited? God
1: and man himself are not watching this podcast, Brian. <laughs> God is, God, God, like has turned off his TV. He was in the middle of like that Nebraska game last night, and he no. just goes, "All right, I'm done. I'm going to no. spend some time with my family. No. I got a whole football season coming up. I don't need to do this to myself. I'll, I'll rejoin no. Saturday morning."
0: Catch of the year, game-winning forty-seven-yard field goal, the bounty of the Lord. Anyway, so I'm going to ask you guys some questions, and you're you're going to respond. All right, Michigan's leading receiver this year, Alex Roman Wilson. Seth, are we talking catches or or
1: yards? Yards, yards. Roman Wilson.
0: Roman Wilson. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, Michigan. Different
1: different answer if we're uh, if we're categorizing
0: that differently. Who has more yards from scrimmage? Donovan Edwards or Blake Corum?
3: You gotta go first. Alex. <laughs> uh I'll go with Coram.
1: I'm I'm going Seth. easily. Definitely Coram. Easily. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, because Michigan's easily. just gonna like you know, you got Blake Corum. Why would you not use him? Right? And then there might be a Heisman candidacy at the end so that you're like trying to like get a few more and I, Michigan's just gonna
0: run the ball a whole bunch. Okay, so run past split approximate. Alex. Uh
3: what were we at last year was it 50? 60 60 40 uh i'll go with 56 44
1: Okay. seth 58% run big big change that's that's
0: that's nothing seth uh, it's, you, it's guys, you guys you guys are man. really <laughs> you guys are you guys are really like doubling down on like the have whole you, like jj stuff for you the know, season is bunk right have you that seems like you, it
1: well we might also be talking about jj runs but i think we're also no. talking about <laughs> Keep in mind, last year they would actually throw the ball sometimes late in games just to, you know, get the take it out of the garage, and this year they're just going to be salting away with Alex Orgy.
0: I think so. All those are going to be runs as well. Starting tackles against Ohio State,
3: Alex. Ooh, um, Henderson and Barnhart. Hey
1: Seth, if it's a hot take, do I have to hot take voice
0: it? No, just just we're just if you feel it, just say it. <laughs> I
3: think
1: it's going to be Henderson and Miles Hinton.
0: Really?
2: Ooh, ooh.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's been. I mean, they're, they're talking about starting him the first game here, he looked better than I thought he would. I think a lot of the the, the bad that we had on him before was coming from his freshman year, um, and then like watching him play injured, and then when he was actually. Not when he w- didn't have to do that stupid Stanford thing where they just wait at the line of scrimmage for several seconds to decide if they're going to throw it or, pa- or or whatever. It's like he was he was fine. He would actually get out there and 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 maul some dudes. So by Ohio State, I think they're going to want to have a pass protector. I don't think Carson Barnhart's do it. It doesn't seem like Trente Jones is beating out Carson Barnhart. So how's he going to you know? I think Miles Hinton's going to send to the job. I think Hardball is keeping the the competition open. This late in camp, because he wants the guy who's behind to catch up and pass the guy with
0: the highest ceiling. We've seen it happen before. I think that's what's happening again. How many Michigan State and Iowa linemen will PFF grade in front of Trevor Keegan, Alex? For, for the record, for the record, that number this year was twelve. <laughs> There are twelve Iowa and Michigan State linemen who received at least one hundred snaps last year that graded out better than Trevor Keegan as a run blocker. As a run blocker, oh my god! As a run blocker,
1: Alex. Um, this is so hard to like make us guess like how incompetent <laughs> is going to be. <laughs> I mean, like, I, they, how I, bad they, are these guys, How dumb
0: are these guys? They put in a, They put in a ton of effort, but I was just like, I was flabbergasted at this because I was, I was just looking at. I was big 10 guard rankings and Zinter's way up at the top and all that stuff. Donovan Jackson's up at the top. Some of it makes sense. And then you look at Keegan and it's just like, like if he was really that bad, how did Michigan run the ball at all? Anyway, you guys got to answer the question.
3: Alex, um, I'll go with a uh, nine, nine.
1: Oh. seven. <laughs> <Sad. laughs> I think I this is not – I i don't have any trust whatsoever in PFF, but I could see Keegan improving because last year he was a little bit injured. He had to play tackle yeah. a little bit last year, and he kind of had some mis-ID, mis-IDs when he was out uh, out of his position. So he plays get, he gets to play guard all year this year, and I, I don't know what
0: the problem was last year, but whatever it is it fixes it, so four. All right, Alex, All-Americans on offense,
3: name them. Um, go with uh, Corum, Zinter, and how many All-American teams are there? Are there three or just two? We're, uh, I think two. Yeah, I'll just leave it at those two.
1: Zach. Uh, let's do JJ. Let's do Corum. I'll take Zinter,
0: and I'm going to take Drake Nugent. Okay. <laughs> keep it rolling. <laughs> Alright, keep it rolling. All right, let's flip to the other side of the ball. Uh, Who leads Michigan in sacks and with how many? Alex. Uh,
3: who is the Morris was the leader last year. How many did he have? Like six or seven? Seven seven and a half. half. I will say the leader is Josiah Stewart with nine. Wow. Seth. See, the problem was last year, a
1: lot of the sacks that Michigan got were all against terrible, terrible tackles. I don't think we're going to have that easy of a plate this year. So I'm going with Josiah Stewart for 6.5, but it's actually going to be spread out to like, you know, teams that have tackles instead of just spinning that poor Purdue right tackle and CSU and in Indiana. Oh my god, there's so many bad
0: ones last year. So many. Starting CB2 against Ohio State. Alex,
3: Josh Wallace.
0: Seth. Oh, I'm
1: sticking with my Jane McBurrows, <laughs> going, take, having okay, that Jane guy McBurrows. all the way. Well, right. I, I mean, Jire Hill's going to be coming along, I think, and Jane McBurrows is right there. And I think, uh, I, I think they've been slow playing us on that
0: guy. All right. Junior Colson, is he an All-Big Ten guy? Is he an All-American guy? Or is he off those lists entirely? Alex?
3: Are we saying... His caliber of play, or, oh, that, he you're is, me or that he is his, physically <laughs> voted by the dubious voters.
0: His his caliber of play is first is all Big Ten first to third team level. Honorable mention doesn't count. Honorable mention is off the lists or all American level. All American, all Big Ten, or nothing.
3: I'll say all Big Ten.
0: Seth, cal caliber second
1: team all Big Ten. Okay. But, but he'll probably make all American just because he's gonna have so many ridiculous highlights and so many great tackles, and that's exactly what they
0: rate on. So that's that's a very weird take for a Michigan podcast. It's like <laughs> this guy's gonna be an all American, but he's not gonna deserve it.
1: <laughs> We've had this before, right?
0: Didn't Ernest Shazer win the Thorpe? Uh did he? I I oh God. I, I, God. No, I don't think so. I think he was a finalist or something and then yeah, he got hurt, right?
1: Uh I don't know, man, but it was that's that's that it's happened before is what I'm saying.
3: Alright, Michigan's PBU leader, Alex. Uh Mike Sandra still.
1: Okay. Rod Moore. Seth. Rod Moore, Rod
0: Moore, Rod Moore. Right. Even if he's injured and, he's, he's gonna come back. And and we are we are basing this on the fact that nobody is throwing a Will Johnson all year. Yes. <laughs> Precisely. That was the craziest thing I, I, that I discovered when I was doing the the season preview, is that that first snap against Ohio State, where Will Johnson erased Marvin Harrison, like they went at him one time. The rest of the game, before it was like 38-23 20, 20, uh, or whatever. Not, that was that yeah, was not, that was nuts.
1: Not only that, they um, as soon as they pulled Will Johnson, and the like, the first time uh, Green stepped up. They checked and uh, threw that pass, and it was a
0: touchdown to Marvin Harrison. So, like, well, to be fair, that that, that coverage wasn't bad. Like, no. he was he was in a good spot, like, and he just got that little subtle like push off right at the end, and he didn't have any safety help. And we're not gonna bag on. J'mon I wasn't. Green no, no,
1: no. Here. That is not, not a bagging like, on Jamon Green. That is yeah. a Ohio State very obviously. Had a you know had it in their mind. Okay, as soon as not Will Johnson comes down on you, we're going to you. Who's
3: the punt returner? Alex. Ooh. Uh, this one is the hardest one. I think is I have not a lot of idea to be honest.
0: Um, well, well the, the folks that were mentioned by Harbaugh were Sane Still, Jake Thaw, uh, Donovan Edwards, and Kelele Mullings. <laughs> to
3: narrow it down,
0: <laughs> that's a um, hell of a list, isn't it? Yeah,
3: <laughs> I guess I'll go with Edwards, but I don't feel great about that.
0: Death. Yeah,
1: I'm going off the list. I'm going with Carmelo English. I think they're going to want to rip his red shirt. I think that they're going to want to get him involved, and I think that he's got that kind of catch and jitter thing that they that they like back there. They're not going to start him there, but by the end of the season, that's that's what they're going to be using him for.
0: Right. Well, I think that's about all guys. I guess we got to get some season record predictions on. Regular season record. Alex,
3: I'm I'll go I'll go 12 and 0. Yeah. Hit dingers. Seth, 12 and 0.
1: <laughs> all right, I, I, I already, I already predict this, right? I said at the end of the Hill of the Victors that I, uh,
0: yeah, but but we gotta way. we gotta we're we put it on the right. Rec- we gotta put it on the, podcast. On the podcast. Who's Michigan playing in the Big Ten Championship game? Wisconsin.
1: I, oh, I said Iowa I said Iowa until I relooked at that
0: offensive line. So hey, they're all better than Trevor Keegan. <laughs> 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 all right, guys. Diesel starts tomorrow. Let's have a party.
3: Boris is a mayor and a land surveyor with plans of his own. He hates Aruska. He hates a vodka, bandit from his home. He hates aruska. Ruska,
1: vodka, but He never drank a single drop. He hates aruska.
3: Ruska, vodka, but This poison he swears to stop. He's singing la da da da
0: Boris was visited by demons in his head.